This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Neonatal Tracheal Intubation by Dr. Lindsay Johnston. Hello, my name is Lindsay Johnston and I am an attending neonatologist at Yale University. The following is a training video on neonatal orotracheal intubation. Orotracheal intubation is an essential skill utilized in stabilization of the airway in pediatric patients with respiratory failure and those undergoing anesthesia. This instructional video will discuss the indications and contraindications for tracheal intubation, review pertinent airway anatomy and equipment used, and demonstrate the steps required to successfully perform tracheal intubation. Additionally, potential complications, appropriate aftercare, and common pitfalls will be discussed. Indications. Tracheal intubation is indicated in neonatal patients with any of the following. Respiratory failure, need for surfactant administration, specific diagnoses such as congenital diaphragmatic hernia, unstable airway due to anatomic malformation or impaired neurological status, or elective stabilization of the airway for a severe systemic condition or anesthesia. Contraindications. In an emergency, there are no absolute contraindications to intubation except if the patient has an advanced directive against advanced airway placement. Relative contraindications to intubation for providers who perform this procedure include anticipated difficult airway with low chance of successful intubation. In these cases, emergent consultation with an expert in airway management and advanced airway techniques is encouraged. Anatomy. Knowledge of the relevant anatomy of the upper airway and larynx is essential for successful intubation. Key anatomical landmarks to note during intubation include epiglottis, follicula, arytenoids, epiglottic folds, vocal cords, and glottis. Equipment. Preparation of equipment is a key step in intubation. Required equipment for tracheal intubation via direct laryngoscopy includes the following. Bag mask or T-piece ventilator, uh, the FiO2 blender should be adjusted to the standard settings as per your institutional guidelines, laryngoscope handle, and a laryngoscope blade of the appropriate size and type for the patient. The laryngoscope should be assembled uh, with the appropriately sized blade and you should have confirmed that the light source is functional. Endotracheal tubes that are appropriately sized for the patient should be available as well as smaller and larger options if necessary. A stylet can also be utilized if desired. After the stylet is placed, the endotracheal tube should be placed back into its original packaging so that it is kept clean. A CO2 detecting device, such as a calorimetric detector or end-tidal CO2 detector. Endotracheal tube securing device or tape. Suction, and the team should ensure that a 10 or 12 French suction catheter is attached and wall suction should be adjusted to 80 to 100 millimeters of mercury a stethoscope, and you can consider adjunct or emergency equipment such as an LMA or fiber optic intubation equipment for patients with suspected difficult airways.
personal protective equipment, including gloves or other items, as per your unit's policy, should also be obtained prior to the procedure. The suggested endotracheal tube size and laryngoscope blade size can be determined by the patient's corrected gestational age or weight, as shown here in this table. Ensuring the appropriate personnel are present is a critical step in the success of the procedure. The intubation team members may include the airway provider who performs the intubation procedure, a team leader. It is ideal to identify a team leader separate from the airway provider. However, depending upon the situation, this may not always be feasible. Nursing and respiratory therapy. It is also important to clarify the responsibilities of each provider present during the procedure, including who will be handing the endotracheal tube to the intubator, who will be securing the tube and providing positive pressure ventilation, and who will be observing the patient's vital signs during the procedure and alerting the intubator of any significant change. In cases of known or suspected difficult airway, an otolaryngologist or anesthesiologist with training in pediatric advanced airway techniques may be beneficial. Procedural steps. The first step of the procedure is to choose the appropriate size and type of endotracheal tube. The stylet should be inserted appropriately so that it is not protruding from either the end hole or Murphy's eye of the endotracheal tube. Next, the equipment should be rechecked to ensure that it is all readily available and in working order. The team should ensure that the patient has monitoring leads and a pulse oximeter in place. The patient should be appropriately positioned, utilizing proper head position, bed height, and a shoulder roll if indicated. If the procedure is not being performed emergently, time should be taken to perform a procedural timeout. During the timeout, verification of patient identity, indication for procedure, and potential for difficult airway should be reviewed. Consent for intubation or anesthesia can also be verified at this time. The American Academy of Pediatrics released a clinical report in 2010 in support of premedication for non-emergency endotracheal intubation in neonates. Benefits to this practice include the potential for elimination of pain and discomfort, physiologic abnormalities, including hypoxemia, bradycardia, and intracranial, systemic, and pulmonary hypertension, as well as traumatic injury to the infant's face, oropharynx, and airway. Premedication, including the use of analgesic agents, such as fentanyl, vagolytic agents, such as atropine, and rapid onset paralytics, such as vecuronium, should be considered for all elective and semi-elective intubations in accordance with your own unit's policies. This plan should be discussed and clarified in the procedural timeout. A muscle relaxant or paralytic agent should not be given to patients who are not easy to ventilate with a bag valve mask or those with suspected upper airway abnormalities. In these circumstances, when intubation may be difficult, the infant's own spontaneous respiratory effort may be essential for maintaining their stability. If premedication is not given and the infant is moving, they should be held gently to maintain a stable position during the procedure. Preoxygenation should be performed according to the area of practice and patient population. Appropriate technique should be applied to open the mouth prior to inserting the blade. The blade should be smoothly inserted using the left hand to hold the laryngoscope handle. The laryngoscope handle should be lifted forward to obtain a view of the vocal cords. 
Take care to not rock the handle and blade or press against the gums or teeth if present. It is also important to note that the intubator should position themselves to optimize visualization. By lifting the handle of the laryngoscope and moving the blade forward or backward within the larynx as needed, the vocal cords can be visualized. Providers may choose to apply a gentle downward pressure externally to the glottis to improve visualization of the vocal cords. There are two techniques that exist to visualize the vocal cords. The first option is to use a straight or Miller laryngoscope blade placed directly on the tip of the epiglottis and gently lifting to compress the epiglottis against the base of the tongue to provide visualization of the vocal cords. The second technique is to advance the tip of the Miller blade until it lies in the vollecula just below the base of the tongue. When the entire blade is then lifted in the direction that the handle is pointing, the vocal cords are able to be visualized. No matter which technique is utilized for visualization, teams must be mindful of the duration of intubation attempts. The neonatal resuscitation program recommends that intubation attempts should be limited to 30 seconds. Teams should monitor the patient's heart rate and oxygen saturation and halt intubation attempts if there is evidence of significant deterioration. In these cases, positive pressure ventilation should be administered and intubation can be reattempted when the infant's vital signs stabilize. If secretions block the view of the vocal cords, then suction should be used as needed to clear the airway. Once the vocal cords and glottis are visualized, the provider performing the intubation should keep focus on the vocal cords. The endotracheal tube should be handed to the intubator by one of the other team members. The tube should be inserted from the right side of the mouth through the vocal cords using one smooth motion. Avoid insertion of the endotracheal tube into the barrel of the blade as this will block your line of sight. The tube should be advanced into the trachea to the appropriate depth. Cognitive aids are available for determining the appropriate depth of insertion, such as the table from the neonatal resuscitation program. Endotracheal tubes may have lines near the distal end to guide depth of insertion. These may vary with different tube sizes and manufacturers, so providers should familiarize themselves with the equipment being used in their particular institution. Once the tube has been passed through the cords, the provider performing the intubation should check the position of the endotracheal tube at the level of the upper lip. During this phase, the laryngoscope blade is removed from the mouth. The provider performing the intubation then uses his or her index finger to secure the endotracheal tube against the roof of the mouth and releases the grip on the endotracheal tube with the other hand. If used, the stylet is removed from the endotracheal tube at this point. The depth of the endotracheal tube should then be recorded. To confirm correct endotracheal tube position within the trachea, the team should use both primary and secondary indicators, including mist in the tube, equal breath sounds and chest rise, detection of carbon dioxide, either with a calorimetric CO2 detector color change from purple to gold, or by obtaining detectable CO2 waves on end tidal CO2 monitoring, as well as an increase in the patient's heart rate. Once proper endotracheal tube position has been confirmed, the endotracheal tube should be secured in position using a commercial endotracheal tube securing device or tape according to local practice. While the endotracheal tube is being secured, the provider who performed the intubation should continue to hold the endotracheal tube in place using their index finger. Potential complications 
Potential complications encountered during orotracheal intubation include, but are not limited to, trauma to lips, gums, alveolar ridge and tongue, dysrhythmia, including bradycardia, hypotension or hypertension, bronchospasm, laryngospasm, laryngeal trauma, vocal cord injury, esophageal intubation or esophageal perforation, bronchial intubation, airway injury, including tracheal perforation, emesis and aspiration, and cardiac arrest. In order to avoid potential complications, providers should take care during insertion of intubation equipment and avoid undue pressure on the fragile tissues of the airway. The endotracheal tube should not be advanced unless the intubator can clearly visualize the glottis. Additionally, the tube should not be advanced if the vocal cords are closed. The use of premedication is recommended to decrease patient movement and agitation, which may increase the risk of trauma. Appropriate aftercare. Appropriate aftercare following tracheal intubation includes confirming that the endotracheal tube is appropriately secured to the patient's face, obtaining a chest x-ray to assess for proper position in the trachea below the level of the clavicles and above the carina, and placement of the patient on a ventilator. Medications for analgesia and sedation may be considered if clinically appropriate. Common pitfalls. Common issues and pitfalls encountered during tracheal intubation include rocking back on the laryngoscope blade. To avoid this, the provider performing the intubation should concentrate on lifting and not rocking the laryngoscope to obtain a view of the vocal cords. Inability to visualize the vocal cords. To assist with this, the provider should ensure proper positioning of the patient, adequate suctioning, and proper alignment of the provider's body and head in relation to the patient's larynx. The chest of the intubator should be aligned with the patient's head, and a straight line should be obtained between the intubator's eyes and the patient's vocal cords. Right main stem intubation. Advancing the endotracheal tube too far into the trachea will result in bronchial intubation. To avoid this, use the lines on the endotracheal tube to guide the depth of insertion. Multiple attempts. Matching trainee skill level to anticipated difficulty level of airway is important. You can aim to minimize repeated attempts by each provider and call for backup early if you are having difficulty securing the airway. Equipment issues. Lack of CO2 detection may be due to either malpositioned endotracheal tube position, extreme prematurity, pulmonary hypoplasia, perinatal depression with poor perfusion, congenital heart disease with lack of pulmonary blood flow, or equipment malfunction. This concludes this instructional video on neonatal orotracheal intubation. In this video, we reviewed the indications and contraindications for orotracheal intubation, as well as pertinent airway anatomy, detailed the equipment used, and demonstrated the steps required to successfully perform the procedure. Additionally, we examined appropriate aftercare, potential complications, and reviewed common pitfalls. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.